welcome to the Talk and Shed podcast with your host, Adam Finnick, where we talk all things farm equipment. Tune in as we interview farmers, industry leaders, and talk about our own dealership story. Follow along as we talk about topics like cover crops, nutrient placement, and things that make your farm and every farm across the country different. You're listening to the Talk and Shed podcast, and thank you for tuning in. Well, guys, we're down here at uh, JM Manufacturing today in uh, Fort Recovery, Ohio, and uh, I've got some of the JM guys with me. Of course, we're going to meet all of them, but we're going to jump right in and uh, introduce every one of them. Let's start over here with you, Mike. I'm Jim, Jim, sorry. I'm Jim Wood. Yes. I'm in a uh, head of engineering here. I've been here for 43 years. Wow. Nice. And Jim, where are you from? Fort Recovery. Here in Born Fort Recovery. Born and raised. Okay. Mike Van Horn. Yeah, Mike Van Horn. I'm a sales territory manager, show manager, and uh, help on the marketing team also here at JM. Uh, this summer will be 14 years with JM. Okay. Uh, live in Greenville, Ohio, just south of here, but grew up just north of here, uh, northwest of here in Decatur, Indiana area. Okay. So, small dairy farm. Nice. Yeah. All righty. Mike? I'm, I'm Mike Buja. I work in sales and marketing as well. Uh, I live in Coldwater, Ohio now. Grew up in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I've been working here for about six years. Awesome. Well, it's uh, you know it was pretty easy for us to choose JM to do a podcast. I mean, number one, you're about I don't know six miles south of our shop. Um, number two, uh, we sell the applicators quite a bit and have gotten to know the JM brand um, quite well. But uh, you know we always enjoy coming to JM. But I'm always amazed as I travel across the country where I find the JM products. I mean, you'll find them virtually anywhere that you go. You can find the JM products. Right. Um, so I want to jump in, you know, right away into the JM story. Why don't we start with Jim Wood on, you know, one of my questions was, how did JM get its start? You know, here in Fort Recovery, Ohio, Mercer County, a small, um, you know, a lot of small farmers around here. What was the idea back then? And and why did and how did JM get their start? Well, JM is Jerry and Maurice Grisa brothers. Jerry's ten years senior brother, and they started. Uh, I think I think maybe Jerry started a tool and die shop with another local fella. I think it was Barney Garkey, just up the street here. And um, <clears throat> then Morse came into the business with them, and they did tool and die work for for years. They uh, Warner Gear was over in Muncie, and they did a lot of tool and die work for them, uh, random things maybe. And then, uh, and I don't know what on the year span how this all came about, but they bought a uh, a Gerlach elevator, which was a, a bale elevator and an ear corn elevator. And um, they had made some of those and uh, fairly successful at it. They always made good equipment. They, they, they decided early on not to do the... the the TSC line, they call it, um, Rural King, whatever, to stay away from that because you got to build them so cheap to get them sold. And they, they just wanted to uh, build something that they'd be proud of. And um, they, they, replied on, they relied on um, word of mouth for advertising. They didn't put a lot of money in paper, print, or anything, and, and their name got out. And um, so as years went by, um, you know, back then they used to dump corn out of a flatbed wagon, you go to the 
equity pool in the bay and you lifted the whole thing up with a chain and you dump all your load out. So then uh, they made a gravity wagon. Now they weren't the first to make a gravity wagon, but they seen what was out there and said, well, we can sell some of those. And you know, the reasoning, I talked to Morris early on um, and he said, uh, well, tool and die work is okay, but it can be too seasonal. He goes, everybody's got to eat. So let's build something for the food supply chain. And um, they just started making a, a, a nice gravity flow wagon. They started out with bushels of like 125 bushels. And when I started here in 79, just out of high school, they had a 250 bushel wagon and they call it the super king size gravity box. <laughs> and we just discontinued that model a couple years ago. Yeah. So uh, th that's, that was the start of them into the, the grain handling business. Um, through the years, uh, well, it, if, let's go back in some history and some time. Down in Arkansas and uh, Mississippi and Louisiana, they farm rice. And they, that's a mud, knee-deep in mud All business. And so they, they build these two-wheeled small carts. They look like feed bins, circular feed bins. And uh, they put on a set, a set of axles and a tongue and a hydraulic motor and an auger out the, straight out the back. So that's, that was the grain cart back then. That's how they got their crop out of the rice fields. Uh, and, and when the dry seasons came and the levees dried up, you had speed bumps all through your field and it just murder on equipment. Mm -hmm. and, it, and you had to build something su substantial. So uh, the, the, the blue cart company, they came along and made a, a drag bottom cart. And um, all the other augers down south were either drag bottom or funnel gravity flow system. So, um, and it's interesting, I talked to the owner at a farm show uh, in Louisville one time. It's late on a Saturday and everybody was just kind of standing around waiting for the thing to end. And a man come up and uh, I had made some 16th scale steel model toys of all the competition we could think of. And we set up a little barnyard on top of a, a card table, well, it was a, it was a big t folding table. And he come up and says, what are you trying to show here? And for some reason, he, I, I thought, man, I should know this guy. And he, he said, uh, well, I said, well, we're, we're trying to show the differences in carts. You know, this one's got the auger that folds to the rear and out the back end, and you can poke a hole in your barn wall. And I had the, a hole in the little barn we built and shoved it right through. And, and, uh, and his, I had his cart there. And um, I didn't talk about it at all, really, because we weren't selling against it. You know, there's also single augers for us, mm -hmm. front-fold single auger carts. So uh, he said, well, what about that blue one? I said, well, we don't really compete against that one. It's a good cart, you know, nothing wrong with it, but it's just not our philosophy and drag bottom and grain damage and more complication. And he said, well, I, I made those popular in the Midwest here in the 70s. <laughs> and I still didn't know him because I'm, I'm a kid. I'm, I'm, you know, less than 30 at that time, maybe, maybe near 30. And uh, no offense to you kids. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I said, who are you? And he goes, well, I'm John Kinzenball. Well, I recognize him from the little emblem that he had made of himself, he stood on the front tongue, one foot up and pointing up, and okay, I get you. And, and we, we talked, it was a good talk. He told me about his uh, John Deere lawsuit, and it's, it's interesting, but uh, back to the grain cart uh, development. We made a side cart, which means that uh, the, the auger is completely perpendicular to the tractor out the side. Um, not much good visibility, folded to the back. Um, some companies made augers fold to the front, uh, you could turn your tractor into them, things like that. It wasn't ideal. 
but but there was a time where we made a corner cart. We stuck the auger right in the corner and folded across the front for visibility. I remember working with Morris on that. Um, I was a welder here, and they pulled me off the line when they'd build special. Jerry and Morris would do that. Jerry would do mostly the tool work uh, on the projects, and, and Morris would do the, the sheet fab. And I worked with him a lot, and, and uh, it's kind of, it was ironically dumb of what I said to Morris. I said, why don't we fold it to this side? It's so much easier because we're having trouble getting this thing the way we wanted it to fold. And on the first ones, you don't have anything to go by. You know, everybody, everything's simple after it's done, but that time we were like, and he said, no, I think it'd be better to fold across the front. They'll see it better. And that's how we made decisions. Uh, I'd say something wrong and he'd say something right. <laughs> so we had a, we had a couple prototypes out and and boy, that idea took off. That was until that time we sold maybe 250 um, side fold carts in a year of all the models. There's maybe three models. And that very next year we sold um, 500 of these corner carts, doubled our sales. And in no time at all, we were well over a thousand. And um, and and during those years, uh, we'd build new models. And I'd I'd work with Morris and um, there's another guy here, uh, Urban Dirksen. He was a real mechanically minded man. He was and a great, great guy to work with. And we built a lot of stuff just from scratch and Morse would have an idea. <laughs> he said, uh, I was in the bathtub last night thinking. <laughs> and he said, whenever he is stumped on things, he says, I go take a bath. It's quiet. I sit there and think. And I don't know how many people know this about Morse, but this, this is so simple. And, and he was a very devout religious man and relied on God for wisdom, and, and he got it. Uh, he could, and he said he'd get things in dreams, and then he'd go build it. And, well, more than likely, that didn't come from himself, and you know, his, his devout devotions paid off, I think, and, and you know, that's not exactly why you'd do those things, but, but anyways, uh, he would have some great ideas, and he could always build things just so simple out of common materials we have. The processes were easy, Sometimes we'd have to build a die that maybe is a little bit, uh, you know, a stage die with progressive stations, but very seldom did we not have the simplest, best idea. And the farmers really liked that. Right. They looked at it and said, oh, I could even repair that if come down to it, if I couldn't get parts. And we built a name like that uh, early on. And well, <clears throat> when I was helping with the prototypes, um, actually, if you build it, you know how to fix it. You don't send somebody else out. So I was a service guy for a long time on these follow-up projects. And I got, to, uh, I, was, I got to be where, in those days, farmers were willing to help. And it wasn't just a, this dang thing's under warranty, you fix it. I, I'd call up farmers, and if they'd have any troubles at all, gearbox go out or, you know, something's not lining up. And I'd say, well, you got a welder on site? Can you help me? I've stood on sheds at night pulling flighting out of carts and right there with the farmer. And those days were different, but you got a real close connection with the customer. And, and this particular farmer one time said, uh, you know, this is great. I'm in South Dakota here. You come out and fix this thing at the drop of a hat. What if it breaks again? And I, I didn't have an answer because, you know, I may not be able to say, yeah, I'll be there in, in right. that 10 hours. So I had a gearbox, extra gearbox in his truck. I just handed it to him and said, put this on your shelf. If it goes out again, you got one. And, and boy, did that story fly around. And uh, we, we sold more product through Coffee Shop Talk. And uh, like I said, we did very little printed ads and promotional things. 
and uh, we just got the name out there. And in Nebraska, we opened up into that. And uh, I don't know how many times I drove to Nebraska uh, because we weren't perfect people, and we'd make some things that just didn't work. Right. So we'd take care of them. I remember uh, Lou Greasip was Morris's uh, youngest brother, and um, we had a problem. We changed the bearing down by the the U joint going into the gearbox in the bottom of the cart, and it wasn't holding up. And they didn't break all at once. We had some time, and I talked to Lou on that, and I said, "These things are breaking." He goes, "Well, we can do two things. We can not fix them, get a bad name, and lose the business." Or we can get in pickup trucks and go chase them down and fix them. And they, they just thought on such simplest terms. And it was just so, it's almost, uh, oh, that's how business is done correctly. Right. So we went out and there, one year we fixed 300 grain carts. We showed up at farms before they even broke and put the fix on. And then, then the coffee shop talk went crazy. J&M was the, the company. And uh, we rode off of that for years. And, and we always tried to build things that's not too complicated for the employees uh, because you know, mostly I come from the line. I welded, I welded the cart line until I was 34 and knew everything about everything there was to know about building and fixing. And, and so naturally, whenever we'd make a new model, I got drew, drew into that. And, and eventually Morris just put me in the engineering spot when he left it. At 65, he retired. Um, but he was always here, always around. It was, it was a great team. Um, just, a, just a great person. I, I'm kind of lucked out. Uh, I'm his son-in-law, um, but I started here before I started that. Uh, okay. <laughs> that was a good note to throw in there. <laughs> um, you know, J and M, in my opinion, and, and you you talk to other farmers and stuff, and they're known for exactly what you just talked about, and that was one of my talking points was the service. And you know, I wanted to dive into how how does J and M do that because you don't hear that anywhere else you don't hear of companies dropping the hat at 5:30 and going and fixing it you know a lot of companies say well that's going to cost me too much money so i'm just going to have to kind of let the farmer or someone figure it out so how does that drive the business still today and and where did that come from because you guys may not since you guys are in the business you may not see it i'm sure you do but like, like maybe we do outside the business, because it, it's big. Well, being a small company, um, we wore a lot of hats. And I would do, I, I went to tool and die school at Wright State after high school in the early 80s. And then I got to use that down here, and I'd build the tool and die work, build the dies and punching and bending dies. And then also building the prototype grain carts, uh, I knew them in and out, so I went to farm shows. And when you when you're one on one with a customer, there's no buffalo there. You gotta you gotta know what you're doing, and you gotta care about it. I think it's just a passion for the product and um, just your name and the quality. And it's a real kick to go to farm shows. It's, it's more gratifying than anything else. Yeah. Farm shows, on the outside looking in, it's like uh, you, have to, you go out and eat steaks every night and you you know stand around all day. Well, it's it's a little different than that. It's a lot of work actually, but it's a connection point with the customer. And when I realized that. I'm treating people like I want to be treated, and the reception is amazing, the things you hear about. People come into farm shows, probably half the crowd coming through, just want to stop and say, hey, I really love your product and appreciate your company. You did this for me. You did that for me. Uh, my son is on service, um, and he's seen the same thing, and I think that fire lights in you to, 
well, we got to do things right. We want to, we got a trust out there to keep. Right. So that's, that's how we come with the service. And now I was doing engineering and service and a lot of hats and it come time to split it up. So we got uh, Joe Kanapke here and I'm sure a lot of people won't know his name because he's called and he'll line up service for him and take care of problems. And Joe's been a big asset in keeping the service name and keeping the quality up. Joe will walk the shop and look at the product. Well, go right into the line and see what guys are doing. And if he can point anything out ahead of time, if he can learn things, it's just a passion for the product. Mm-hmm. A little little background on my on my history with JM, <clears throat> excuse me, is I, I worked at two different dealerships before uh, before I started working here, worked in sales. Um, the the closest dealership was about 10 miles away. The furthest was about 30. And we sold the first one I sold at. We we sold five different grain carts. I rarely sold anything but a J and M because I knew if there was any issue, it was going to get taken care of. Mm-hmm, right. And before I worked here, I thought, ah, you know, we're so close. That's why they take care of us. Yeah. When I start working here, and I realized, no, they they take care of all their dealers that way. Right. And you know, it's it, we really do. We back up the product with service. And, right. And very proud of that and we've got a lot of loyal customers i was thinking about uh southern indiana we we had just come with our stabilizer tracks and we, jim and i were trying to sell three or four or five sets popcorn farm yes we were trying to sell three or four or five sets of those tracks to, to just the first year to get some test time on them and we went to a farm in southern indiana and these guys run three green carts they farm 15 16 thousand acres of popcorn and this is a track we'd never built before, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it was, un, un, you know, unproven, I guess. But we went in there and talked to him, and the, uh, the owner of the farm, he says, I'll, I'll try two out of, the, out of the three on my new carts I've got coming. He said, because you guys came to my house, or my farm, when I bought my first J&N cart, and just showed up one day and said, hey, we're here to fix your cart. He said, I didn't even know there was a problem with it. Mm-hmm. He said, that's the kind of service we stick with. And they've, I don't know how many... They're still running three carts. They trade about every other year, I think. And and so they've been running J&M carts for... I remember that service 20 run. 20-some years. Yeah, and yeah. Jim was one of them that was on the service run. Yeah. yeah. And he bought it because of... And he tried our new unproven track just because he knew of our reputation and staying up behind the product. Sure. And we get that at farm shows all the time. Yeah. And, you you know, rarely do we have people... I mean, you'll get somebody mad at you. It oh, happens, yeah. you know. You could sell ice cream and have someone upset. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you, you guys do farm shows too, and you know what it's like. Oh, yeah. I mean, ninety percent of them are happy, ten percent are upset, and out of the ten percent, it's usually something that we didn't know about and we can fix. Right, right. You know, if they had just talked to us, you know, and, and so it's it, it's when they asked me to come to work at JNM, it was an easy decision because they have such a great reputation of taking care of the customer. So right, yeah, yeah. So you know, JNM was always known for the grain cart, the hopper wagon, the grain handling stuff. How did J&M form into a nutrient application business that sells rolling baskets and uh, all types of stuff? You know, seed tenders. Seed tenders. Seed tenders. Yeah. yeah, that's a big one. So how did that happen? I'm, I'm sure it's pretty obvious why, but, you know, talk it, through that. It usually comes through farmer or dealer request, and people are talking about it. And, you know, you don't the, – the, the saying, build a better mousetrap. Not just invent a mousetrap, but just build a better one. And that's what we did. We took a grain cart and saw things that could be improved. And um, it's just that simple. 
but it's a lot of, it's a lot of hard work and dedication it's just that simple to, to to start different products and you know there's some things we build and you don't hit it right right away more so said to me he said if you can get through prototyping to production model in three tries you're doing great and he said not everything you do no matter how good you do it is going to sell and be a hit he said it's you know people take it for granted around here that we hit home runs a lot and um, we, we had a little bit of a slow start with the applicator we come out with something too heavy uh, we actually sent guys out with a torch and cut the thing up and hauled it to the scrapyard it was just not now at that time it was i think 2010 or 11 or 12 or something like that and the market was hot commodity prices were high and we just I, myself i said well uh, heavy duty is what we are let's build it heavy duty and it just wasn't necessary and it just wasn't going to take off so then another time we started over again and and uh here we come upon a, a good idea and it was patented and we didn't know it well we had to stop that you just don't get into patent trouble uh, that's too costly and you know ethics and morals and everything else besides right that's just the wrong path so then we got into this model and um we had a guy working on it that that just nailed it and and there's always improvements and there's always you know and i tell the guys to build anything here i said if you can walk away from a project in three years you did well right that's that's the best you can expect right and and that's and the, and the applicator is exactly that pattern in three years we had everything down where we you know thought that okay we've, we're, we've arrived we're here but there's always more tweaks there's always well the precision planning they want precision application now right and uh that's a that's pretty important with high commodities with the, the inputs the fertilizer the cost of that it's a, it's a really important thing and everybody's it's on their mind but mm -hmm. to jump into that and say yeah we got row control not just section control um we've got to work on that yet now too mm -hmm. so and we'll have to get some input from Fennings. <laughs> yeah, I don't have anything quite yet. I might, might have to take a bath. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> but, uh, um, you know, the talk about the seed tenders. You know, right now, you guys are just shoveling those things out the door. And, uh, of course, Bex has been a big deal there with their program. But, you know, how, how the seed tender, I mean, obviously, farmers drive a lot of the innovation and, and ideas. But how did you become someone who never really sold seed tenders to boy i'd say top of the line on the market today well we we saw what's going on honestly um i thought it was a fad i thought it was somebody trying to push a a convenience product and i thought the mentality i had yet was still farmers are going to go for that but the next generation farmers did and they're the guys that don't ranch and don't torch and don't weld. Right. And, and of course, you know, they're farming more ground spread out. A lot of people are renting and, you know, it's, it's a big, it's a big, um, I don't know how you can say it. It's, it's a big business to have a family farm to grow big and get a lot of, actually you got to farm so much ground to make your equipment pay off. Equipment's so expensive. And it's just a convenient, it was a speed factor. It's productivity. Uh, it's it, it productivity. increases your productivity and... <clears throat> I'm with Jim. When we first started talking about seed tenders, I thought they were mid twenties, twenty five thousand. Yeah. I thought you could buy a three eighty five wagon with an auger mate and an auger on it for about nine. Yeah. Why, why would you spend twenty five for something you can do the same job for ten? Sure. Or less. And it's just not as 
productivity. I mean, it's all about productivity. It's just well, more productivity. you know, you can pull the thing 65 mile an hour home empty. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then probably 40, 45 to get there. And I'd say in, in most times these bigger planters are going through so much seed, you can't let them sit. Yeah. You know, your window in the spring is way smaller than your harvest window in the fall. Yeah. So it, it just was like really caught me off guard. And we built a good one. Yeah. And, you know, features were there. Then we changed it later on to uh, lower it and, and put the auger up higher, the, not the auger, but the conveyor and the, the boom system. And uh, that really did well for us. So it's just paying attention. Listening to customers' complaints. Now, you can't do everything everybody wants. You, like you said, you can sell ice cream and be wrong about it. Right. Or somebody mad at you. And, but there's plenty of product out there. Uh, it's kind of funny how there, there's some customers you just can't keep happy. So, okay, there's other products out there. We're just not going to be able to. If you go on Ag Talk, sure. if you, everybody knows Ag Talk, I'm sure. Uh, everybody gives us good comments and compliments. And if they don't, we chase it down. Joe can yeah. happy. He'll call them up, say, what, what do you got going on? Wish we'd known. Well, okay, what can we do? So anyways, uh, there's some dealer, there's some customers of other competitors that they, they don't really know us at all. And one guy posted on there says, what's the love affair with J&M grain carts? And some of the, our customers piped back in and says, you won't know it until you try it. He said, it, it's just, it just works well and it's simple and it works every time. And uh, we get that kind of a reputation, um, but we pay attention to what people are saying. Now, it, it, sometimes it's slow. You can't change overnight. You got to incubate some ideas, and you got to, you know, go through them. And, and we've got a team of engineers up there now that, that we really work well together. There's six or seven of us, and just yesterday we got together from just a just a drive dog on a grain cart. We're going to change it, and we sat down four of us and looked at the points and. That's how things are done and done well. So, and we we have all the time farmers that'll come and we'll give them a plant tour, <clears throat> and I always try to, if they've got an idea as we're going through the plant, we'll stop in Jim's office and say, hey, these guys want to talk to you about this, right? Yeah. And, and Jim or I'll grab one of the engineers and and uh, we listen to them. Um, they're the ones buying the product. If you don't make it for them, right? They're not going to buy it. Yeah, they, so they provide. We we may have the greatest idea in the world, but if a farmer doesn't want to buy it, right. it isn't worth a dime. Right. I'm the most unlikely person to be in charge of engineering. I, I ran a paper route when I was a kid. I didn't grow up on a farm. I grew up on the internet town. I didn't know J and M was even in town till I was ready to apply for work. And I heard and my our parents were good friends, and they were talking. Hey, we're really busy down there. I said, okay, I can do that. And we come in. I come in at. Uh, 17 years old, 55 hours a week, that wore me out. I thought, these guys are tough. <laughs> Lou Grease, he was the, I talked about him before. He looked like Superman, and he worked in the office. And I come in to apply for work, and I said, their office workers look like Superman. <laughs> How can I survive down here? But uh, it, was, it was just the way it was. It's this, this factory, it's like all small businesses. There's quirks, and you could be on the outside looking in, it's like, really? But it works for us. Right. You know, we get along. Uh, it just seems to be a, a brotherhood down here that works well. Right. So we like that. And yeah. we got some of the best employees. Yeah, no doubt. You watch, you know, out there in the factory, watch some of that guys. They work hard. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it, <clears throat> now they're, they're, they're paid well. Right. Mm -hmm. But they, they work, you know, they work we hard. Give they're proud tours. of what they do. We give tours and a dealer comes through. One dealer one time said to another dealer that was in the same group, 
So I bet they told these guys to, you know, step it up. We got a tour coming through. No. And yeah. the other guy knew better. He said, no, this is the way they always work. Yeah. The guys will run from station to station. You have a common goal and you help each other. And it, it's just a good atmosphere. Mm-hmm. When we had our 50th anniversary, I did a dealer open house. And I had tried to get most of my dealers in here. And, and over about a three-day period, we gave them factory tours. And that's a comment we got over and over and over again. They were impressed with our, And we take it for granted because we see it every day. Right. But they were impressed with our facility because of the amount of work we put out with the amount of labor we have. And how hard those guys work. There's nobody sitting around reading a newspaper. There's nobody, you know, mm-hmm. it's, they work, you know, right. they, they, they do and they're, and they're proud of what they do. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> it, it was good for us to hear all that from all our dealers because we've had some dealers that were, you know, green guys, red guys, you know, blue guys. And they've been to their factories and they said, your guys work a lot harder than what we've seen the other people working, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and they're really into what they do. Right. So it, it makes you feel good, you know. And in the market that we're in today and whether it's in the manufacturing side or the employee side how how are you guys um, hedging against what's going against you right now and that's employee retention um, the availability of products um, lead times how, how's J&M prepared for that and uh, how do you how do you get a grasp on it well, I think uh, we had a, a tax lady, or our accountant came in, and there's quarterly taxes and everything, and she said, she made a good comment that this place has ran well. She said, she, and they've been our accountants for years and years and years, and she said, you guys make good, wise decisions, and we kind of take that for granted. Um, Chuck Wolf is our purchaser, and uh, it, it, he's, he's getting uh, to where he may retire, you know, one of these years, and we're thinking like, wow, how can we replace him? We probably can't with one person. Um, we're hoping to, and, and update the commute, computer systems for that. But it's just a matter of um, always what, keeping your eye on the ball. Now, there's some things that can get away from you. Um, just this lead times, um, and, and Chuck has always done a great job of purchasing ahead. We'll, you know, let's say we'll buy a gearbox and it's long lead times. We'll stock a year and a half of them to be halfway into the next year. So it's it's not there, there's there, we're very conservative, but it's not a penny pinching uh, detriment. Right. We we'll, we'll spend money when it makes sense. Tires. Um, we got you know million dollars worth of tires sitting out there. You have to. Uh, you just you know and I, and I think it's God's blessing on this place. They've always been good, moral, uh, generous people, and and generous to the employees. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it comes back. It just comes back to you. Some of them. <clears throat> Some of the stuff you couldn't prepare for. Right. Last year, oh, 20, you know, 2021 was just a slap in the face to everybody right. in manufacturing because you couldn't get what you had ordered. You couldn't, I mean, it just, how, you can't prepare for that. But it's, you know, you just adapt and keep doing what you can do, you know, and, and uh, I don't know, we just never quit trying, I guess. Yeah. You, you can't. Being able to adapt is the big one. Yeah. You know, I think, you know, today if there's a dealer who can't get inventory on their lot, I think it's it's almost their own fault by now. You know, we've been in this for how long? It, you got to order ahead and, and be prepared. And as I drive back there to pick up some of our applicators, you guys are finishing up. I can't help but wonder where in the world all these tires are going to go. But <laughs> yeah. but that that right there shows a guy the preparedness and and what you guys have done to look forward because it's like, well, clearly they know. 
Yeah. They, they've been hit with the problem, yeah. and, and now now they're fixing it. If you go through the shears department, the amount of steel, and mm-hmm. go through the machine shop, the amount of steel that is in this building. Right. <clears throat> it's incredible. I mean, we don't we don't rely on just in time. We want it there. Right. You right. Know, we don't want something you know not being sitting here shutting us down for production. We, we want it you know, to be able to go grab it and bring it, not wait mm-hmm. on a truck to bring it. You know? And they're not afraid to uh, buy new technology, uh, lasers, robotic welders, yeah. uh, spend for the company. We need a new building? Yeah. Yeah. They put a lot of money back in the company. And, the, and I think the employees see that and really appreciate it too. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So. And, and on the employee side, you know, everyone's hiring right now. How, how does J&M stay ahead of that, you know, uh, being able to hire employees but keep them? Um, That's funny. We, we, several years ago, we had a stack of uh, applications for work an inch thick or more. And now it's just down to we're, we're looking for help. Yeah. And uh, I always thought, or, and even I said, as long as we have a graduating class up at Fort Recovery High School, we'll have workers. Well, that wasn't always true, and it, it just proved out to be wrong. Uh, it's, it's a struggle. We, we retain 50% on new hire. Uh, some of it is, uh, well, there's less children per family now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it used to be a, a, a big farm family. You're going to have two or three of their kids in here working. And some of them are coming here to get away from so much work at home. <laughs> I mean, right. so, and that's a good work ethic we can see coming in from the kids that work here. Um, so yeah, when you when you <clears throat> grow up working eighty hours or ninety hours a week on a dairy farm, and you come here and work fifty hours a week, it's like a vacation. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know. So, but but there's not, we don't have those forty fifty head dairies anymore. No. Now it's four or five hundred head dairies, and there's you know, so the workforce is getting smaller, you know, to choose from. But but they've been doing things like uh, uh, the Votech or you know the um, TriStar. Is it TriStar? TriStar Kids. Been hiring some kids from TriStar. Bring them in here part-time in the evenings, you know, uh, working part-time. Let them get a feel for what the job is. Yep. That way you're not throwing them in as soon as they graduate and they start working, you know, 10-hour days and they say, well, this, you know, I didn't expect this. Right. So if they work part-time, they, they know what to expect. Sure. So it helps keep them coming coming back, you know, for full-time jobs. Sure. But well, And Jerry and Morris, they always thought when they started making some money, they wanted to share profits with the employees. So I think that's been something we've done for a long time. And in general, up until very recently, when guys work here, they don't generally leave. They stick around because we take care of them. So right. I think we didn't lose a lot of people in 2020 and 21 because we haven't lost people for a long time. Most guys stay here for decades. Yeah. So that helped. that helped. We didn't lose a lot of people to start when people lost people from COVID and, and working from home and all that. Our guys stuck around. And then as we go try to get people, we take good care of people. We we use that in our advertising to hire people. We, we pay people well, we take care of them well, and we treat them like family. And I yeah. think that, that's helped us. Oh, and you say that, we've got a lot of family working here too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there, there's there's a lot of brothers that, you know, one brother's a good worker. More than likely, his, his brother and his other brother, they're going to be good workers, you know. Sure. So we've got a lot, a lot of families that have several... So yeah, in that sense, it hasn't changed since 1960. I mean, they, they did that at the beginning, and we're still doing some of that now. Word yeah. of mouth and hiring, too. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, I, and I'll do factory tours, and, and a lot of times I'll have people, hey, how long have you been here? And people are amazed. You know, you get a lot of, you don't get a lot of two, three, four, five years. You get a lot of 15, 18, 20. I feel like a newbie. I've been here 14 years, and I'm still one of the young guys. Right. You know, mm-hmm. um, 
there's a lot of guys 20, 25, 30 years. Hmm. So when I started out back. I was working out back, and I was the low man on the totem pole, so I had the crummy jobs for a while, and I kept having the crummy jobs, and I thought, well, when am I going to be low? not low man on the totem pole? And it took forever because nobody was new forever. Nobody left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And now he's got to share an office with me, so he's still got a crappy job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so today, how many employees does J&M have? Are we at 200? No, I think no. Some, somewhere 160, 170, somewhere okay. 180 maybe. Uh, once, 170, 180 is what I was thinking. Yeah. Okay. Wow. We should ask Scott that. Yeah. Scott does payroll heat now. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's hey. different, too. We're, I mean, we're doing different things now. Like recently, we were out trying to find some specialists for machining and things like that. I mean, times are changing, too. We're, we're doing more high-tech things and, and high-end things. So um, we've been more aggressively trying to find people that fit what we're looking to do, too. So yeah. it's more than just swinging a hammer, I guess, nowadays, right. too. We're doing really precision things. Yeah. Yeah, we, we've done the tour, and uh, we, we have a blast. Every year we do an employee training for a week. We bring in all of our employees, and we train on products and, and methods and, and a little bit of everything. And at the end of the training, we do a J&M tour, and we've been doing cool. that for, I think, three years now. And all the employees, they just look forward to it and love it, and we learn something new every time. And, mm-hmm. and every year, it's a different tour, isn't it? Yeah. Because they, I've been here, like I said, 14 years. We build a new building almost every other year on average right. since I've been here or expanded or built. You know, it's just, it's growing, growing. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So that from, from, from an outsider standpoint, I, I appreciate that because, you know, I'm not family or anything, I, but they, but they, uh, they take the profits and put it back in the business. Sure. Mm-hmm. A lot of companies take the profits, put it in our pocket and run, Right. you know, mm-hmm. but they're, they're reinvesting in the business. So it's, it's here to stay. And as far as coming here for a factory tour. I mean, everything we do, we ship worldwide, we sell worldwide, but everything comes out of this one factory in little Fort Recovery, Ohio. So it's kind of unique, I think, in the sense that we're a worldwide company, but if you come here, everything comes out of this factory. Oh, it, right. it, it's extremely unique. Mm-hmm. I, you know, being from Coldwater, and I talk to people from around the country, I tell them where I'm from, they say, oh, I've been down there before, and I can almost guarantee every time, they'll say, I've been to Fort Recovery, to J&M, you know, I, yeah. mm-hmm. to, to pick up my grain cart or to pick up my seed tender, and I, I, it's almost like a recorder. I say, yep, I'm just north of there, you yeah. know, because I hear it every time. I always, you can't see it, but the, there's a map behind us, a, a world map, and yep. we've got a gold pin on all the countries yep. that we sell product in, and I bring people on the tour through here. And they're amazed. Yeah. You know, little little JNM manufacturing in little Fort Recovery, Ohio. Right. Sells to that many places in the world. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, we, you know, somebody asked why we don't have pins in the U.S. map. I said because it'd be solid gold in some of these states. Mm-hmm. You know, right. There wouldn't be any, you know, any space to. Right. Put another pin, but uh, yeah, we're very well, very well represented. I said, you know, I, I would say in the in the United States and in the world. And and when you look at at the United States, you know, of course, we're on the eastern side of the United States, and there's a ton of corn and beans out west. How do you get the passion and everything pushed from Fort Recovery, Ohio, out to Nebraska, North Dakota, to get dealers and, and everyone out there speaking the same language and believing the same thoughts? Because there's a there's plenty of grain carts in between here and there. Yeah. Well, Jane M isn't just one person. Right. And and the sales force, and we hire hired a fair amount of independent reps it, like Mike's a company rep yeah. and but we have like in Nebraska we've got uh, commissioned reps and they they may sell other products too 
So they have a good rapport with the dealership. When we first started the, the front fold corner cart in 1988, I went out with uh, um, Bob Hall, was his name, he's a Nebraska salesman, and they bought grain carts out there. The dealers did, like we bought gravity wagons here. You know, it wasn't unusual for a dealer to take 10 or 12, but with grain carts around here, it wasn't that way. But it was out there. That's that's all they used. They didn't. They said, "What do you even make gravity wagons for?" You know. So I went around to the dealerships, and and he was a great salesperson. Uh, he's he's passed since then, but uh, he had the dealers in his uh, in his good graces, and and we were. It, it was the last day of the week. It's a Saturday morning. He looked at me before we went into the last dealer and says, "I'm going to sell this guy this grain cart," and we were pulling around a an old model, just to pull something around and tell and. <laughs> it's so funny. Uh, we didn't even have pictures of the new corner cart where we were selling it. And he hammered that guy. Uh, and Larry Toner was his name. Great, great family uh, dealership. And um, Bob took a break. And we was both in his office, and there was Larry. And uh, Bob took a break, and, and uh, I was just sitting there with Larry, and I'm 27. I, I don't know anything about anything, but I helped build the carts, and I knew what was going on. And he looked at me and says, the only reason you even have a chance here is because of Bob. I trust him. And that's how we had a lot of dealers, uh, a lot of sales reps that were like that. And it was just the, like the perfect storm for sales. Guys in South Dakota and uh, uh, territory reps just did a great job. And it wasn't just us, because when we lost them through death or retirement or whatever, the sales dropped. And people trust people. People buy from people. There's yeah. three things you in life, how you purchase things. And it's uh, people, product, and price in order. And that's generally how it goes. Now, there's the guys that bottom dollar shop every time. Mm -hmm. But that's what they'll get, the bottom dollar product. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's a, that's a good philosophy to think about. Philosophy to think about when, you, when you're in sales and your, your, your company is on the line. That's what people are going to buy. And they buy from people. They buy products from people, and the price is negotiable. Right. So, and we talked about it earlier, service. Service is our best sales. Yeah. I mean, that's that's what sells. It makes it easy to sell product because of the service reputation we have. Yeah. Right. I would say your advertising budget and your service budget are kind of the same thing. Service budget's probably bigger. Well, <laughs> right. <laughs> probably bigger. But I think you're... You know, a lot of your advertising comes out of service. I, yes. It's the it same does. thing. I mean, it, that's what I hear about. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't hear about the new... J&M, this or that. Um, and it's not just the service guys. It's stuff like uh, I've had customers come up to, to the farm shows and say, hey, well, I, you know, I broke a gearbox or, you know, or flighting. I had a guy say, I, you know, I needed a piece of flighting. It was a middle harvest. I knew I wasn't going to get to J&M until after 4.30 when we close. They said they'd lay it out on a forklift out yeah. front and leave the keys in the forklift. And they're like, you're going to leave a forklift with a key in it in the front of your building. Yeah. I mean, that way you can load that flighting. Or right. we've got several guys that live so close in town that they'll come and meet them here at 9, 10 o'clock at night. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's it's you know it's not just like physical service going out and working on something. Sure. It's the, the whole the whole group. Yeah, the farmer mentality. Yeah, we'll take care of you. you yeah. know, we know you're down. We know you need help. We'll take care of you. Yeah. yeah. So. You know, we've talked a lot about how you got from hopper wagons to um, tenders and big carts and, and all of that. But... You know the farms are changing today yeah. uh, big time um, you know prices are are where they're at 
you know, it's we're in an odd time right now. What what's down the road? Not only product growth, but but business growth, because you know you talked about a model that you guys quit making. It was that super hopper, and as as we move forward in more farms, there's going to be more products that you probably kind of slide off the table, but then new ones come. So. Where does that thought come from to produce new products? Are there any on the line? And how's J&M gonna get through the odd time we're in right now? Um, just a matter of keeping your eye on the ball, noticing what's out there, what's what's selling, and, and the customer requests, dealer requests, customer requests. Uh, the, you know, not everything's valid. You gotta weigh, the, weigh it and, you know, okay, no, we don't wanna go that direction. That's that's not us. and. There's, there's uh, products we can handle. You gotta look at your manufacturing. Um, you know, we can design something that we can't build. Right. Um, so we try and avoid that That's like a plague. True. But uh, it's just a daily, um, just keep an eye on things. Listen to ears open, listen to farmers, yeah. listen to. Uh, last year, 2021, we introduced our right hand unloaded cart. Yeah. And, and that came from demand from farmers. You know, they said, sure. why, you know, can you, why can't you do this? This would be so much more convenient. You know, your controls are on the right-hand side. Your visibility, your seat swivels more to the right than it does to the left. You know, we listen to them, and uh, um, it's been a hit. You know, and it's and it's and it was driven by the farmers. Mm-hmm. Sure. And 14 years ago, I told Jim we needed to do it, but he didn't listen to me then. So. <laughs> I couldn't hear it then. Yeah, you do. Uh, there you go. <laughs> Just got to speak louder, Mike. I, yeah, I tried. No, I tried. <laughs> <laughs> but. But that's, I mean, we do, we, we listen to what the farmer wants and that's that's the best way to do it. They're, they're, they're the customer. And we listen to the dealers too. The dealers are listening to the farmers. You know, you, you, gotta, you gotta be paying attention. Yeah. I, most, and most of the time it's pretty good stuff. Yeah, I, I, I think it is amazing at your manufacturing capabilities, what you can design and build, but you're still small enough to stay nimble and be able to aggressively move and make yeah. changes. Mm-hmm. Tracks are a huge thing. That, that when I started, I think in my territory, the first year I started, I sold like four or five sets of tracks. And I don't know how many it is now, but it's, we, we've, you know, we've developed that. We, we you know, uh, we've got an engineer that works on tracks only and, and uh, man, he's come out with some awesome products. But that was farmer demand. You know, they, they wanna, they want it, uh, you know, they want tracks. They want, they want less uh, or uh, compaction. You know, um, tracks used to be a nightmare because of maintenance. We've taken a lot of the maintenance out of it. It's it, they've gotten simpler, right? And uh, so it's it's working, you know, working with a farmer and having good people in the in the engineering department. Yeah. So. Yeah, I I see that a lot. You know, being able to uh, a lot of companies get so big to where they can't move. You know, they they find a line, they find a product, and they will make that product until the demand is gone, yeah. no matter what. But it seems J&M is able to uh, move, be nimble, and, and find what that customer wants and, and dig in and, and make it to the best of their ability. And that, that's what I think really really sets you guys apart. I, th- I think that's a mindset you have to have. Yeah. You know, the, 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 the worker in the management of the 50s is gone, and you've, you've got to be quick like that. Mm-hmm. Now, we could be quicker on some things, you know, granted, but... The general consensus here is to build what the customer wants, not what we want the customer to have so much. Sure, sure. You know, being a a large company and 
and obviously we talked about employee retention and, and production. What are some of the things that, that keeps J&M up at night and says, how can we solve this? How, how are we going to get this done? Uh, a lot of things are, like the tractor companies, they're not selling so much tractors, they're selling technology now. And when we got into, uh, say, um, the iFarm, we call it, and it's a, it's a way system that goes through Bluetooth and, and uh, easy recording and upload to cloud, uh, that was a big boost. And that was a little bit of a panic when we were behind on that. And here, uh, Joe Kanapke was at a farm show. He says, hey, I remember a guy from Canada came, gave me a card and said, hey, if you're ever interested in uh, automatic recording and, and things of weighing systems, give us a call. And we called them up and boom, just like that, we were running along with Agromatics and they had their own product, but they allowed us to brand it with our name on it and, and whatever we sold, we could you know do it that way. Um, I think we don't worry a lot. Uh, I don't, because something will come. If you just keep doing the right things and plodding along, something will come. And, and you know, it's not like dumb luck. Right. But, uh, with the, with the technology part of it though that so I have a son Mitch that handles uh, that part of the business the, the electronic end he does really well it just seems like that was his niche in life early on you could tell and he does a good job keeping yeah. tr track of that and keeping up with that and keeping up with the changes and the needs he's constantly thinking of what's the next thing what's the next possibilities and uh, it's, it's really it's good to see that in the third generation uh, and I'm not I'm only talking about that He's my son, okay. But, I mean, the rest of the guys, too, the rest of the third generation, they're going to contribute like that. And then the place will go on, keep their, keep their eyes open. Um, and it's just, um, it's just a good mix of the, the right people doing the right things. Um, so as far as the future goes, I, I do, I, I'm probably within five years of retiring. Mm -hmm. And I think about that a little bit more now than I used to. Um, well, how, how am I going to hand this off? I don't want to leave them in a lurch. And it's not like I'm the, the smartest guy, the most important, because I've always said none of us are smart as all of us. Right. And I get a lot of good ideas from the guys we work with. But we want to be prepared for the next generation of farming. And, uh, and we're working on that. We're, we're, we've got new models in mind of the things we make, and we're consider, considering the technology as much as a product now for what's our new offerings. So I don't know if that's a good enough answer or not. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the technology is something that's changing all the time to go from a, a steel manufacturing tool and die weld laser to throwing in computers into the mix and sensors. That's not an easy transition. And, and we know that that's what the farmer's pushing. You know, they want, they want this, they want automatic this. And, uh, you know, the next generation, I think it, it's a huge change, a big shift. From, farming's always changing, but being what what I see, the next jump is even bigger. Mm -hmm. You know, it just it's all about efficiency. If you can't do it in half the time that your dad did, then you're you're wasting your time. Mm -hmm. You need to farm double the acres in half the time, and and that's what they're going to drive to get done, and that's what they're going to spend money on. And 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 like we talked with labor, reducing labor, because they can't find labor either. Right. Uh, you know, it used to be, man, if you needed a job done on a farm, you had 10 retired guys that would show up and help you. Mm -hmm. The problem is, and I'm getting close to that. Sure. You throw me in a tractor and throw four monitors in front of me and tell me to go plant corn. Uh, 
I'm overwhelmed. <laughs> right. You know, but so finding that younger generation of, of labor, you know, is, is getting tough. Sure. I think the next big jump, though, is autonomous equipment. Yeah. Okay. And that's a challenge, and it's an opportunity, and we're working on that. Um, so that's part of what's coming and how we're going to handle it. Uh, and we've got some guys that are passionate about it, the engineering group and some of the family members, and um, we're going to tackle that next. Sweet. And, and it's, uh, it's almost to, again, go back to build a better mousetrap. We don't have to invent anything. Right. Uh, we're just going to make, make it work. Build things that people want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, and provide the service behind it like exactly. we always have. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, I mean, we our, our last podcast was, was with Johnson Family Farms over in Red Key, Indiana, and, and we were talking with them. And, um, you know, they said one of their biggest struggles is now that the next generation's getting in is labor. You know, Grandpa used to be around to help, yeah. and, and when it was Grandpa and, and Matt, things, things were great. They had enough labor. Today, they need more, and I, I see that day in and day out. And so when we talk efficiency and labor and reducing time, um, that that's where it seems the the cash flow is going to go to spend on the farm. Mm-hmm. Um, Mike, we you were involved in the website side of things. You talked about a little bit. Tell me about how you guys find or recruit new customers. We talked about through service, but what about advertising and uh, social media stuff like that? Um, what does JNM do there? I, I see their posts all the time, videos. Um, you, a lot of customers submit their grain cart photos from the fall, and yeah, we we get a lot of great submissions. <clears throat> Last few years, we've done a, a photo contest in the fall for harvest, and a lot of people submit some really great stuff. So so that's nice. It's a our advertising. It hasn't really changed our philosophy all that much from from the early days, in that we we still don't spend a ton of money on advertising. I think our best advertising like you talked about is through word of mouth and it and it's passed through generations we we go to farms and there's a a grandson working with the father working with the grandfather and they now have a 2,000 bushel drag cart and 20 years ago they had a thousand bushel and then before that they had gravity boxes and, and they've been buying J&M stuff for, for years and years and years so so a lot of that earlier you mentioned how service that probably costs a lot of money well it does cost some money and it does take some effort but it it also rolls into our marketing and it rolls into our sales and that's all part of the game as far as social media farmers are a diverse group now there's there's old men that farm there's young men that farm and there's all kinds of folks in between and it's important that we use social media it's important that we use websites um it's important that we go to farm shows it's important that we use print because people get their information and they're buying a piece of equipment especially a jm i mean some of this stuff is pretty pricey nowadays it's a big right. decision so they need to have easy ways to gather information and that's what we're trying to do um farm shows we talked about that earlier they're very good a good place to get information a good place to to get in front of people and to touch equipment and, and see things up close. But a lot of people nowadays are trying to get information on the computer because it's so easily accessible. And for a while, we didn't have farm shows. I mean, for two years, we didn't even have a farm show. So that changed things too. So we've been putting more resources into our website and into dealer communication and being able to talk to customers because that's important now. Uh, even some of the older folks, they'll go to the internet to, to, to find their information. So. 
we want to make sure that it's visually pleasing because I think our stuff is visually pleasing. Our products are in general, but also informative. We want to make sure that we've got, I mean, we're working on getting detailed specs out there. So if someone wants to see if this piece of equipment will fit in their barn, well, yeah, with these tires and you know, this undercarriage and yeah, it'll fit in your barn so, or it won't. But we want to make sure people have all that information at their fingertips because that's what people want nowadays. They want to have it now. Right. So, so yeah, we've been working on a lot of different stuff. It, 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 we've been a very traditional company in a lot of ways, but people want information in a different manner now. So we've been trying to, to spread our wings with a lot of that stuff. So yeah. it's been fun. It's been exciting. We've, we've done a lot of, we've never done podcasting. This is kind of our first deal with this, I think. Um, but yeah, we've been trying a lot, a lot of different stuff and it's been going pretty well. Yeah. We, we, we've seen the farm show and the social media stuff shift our business quite a bit, in my opinion. Um, for a while, we were all farm shows, and you would sell stuff there, and we still do. But um, anymore, um, if people want to know anything, they just pick up their phone, yeah. Google it, watch YouTube, and they know more about it than I do in mm-hmm. about 30 minutes. Yeah, and we learn a lot of stuff and, and when we do these things too. It's, I don't know, and it's been fun. We go to different farms and we, we'll do videos there and we've been working with some of these YouTube influencers and we learn things from them and I, it's all been, I don't know, it's been a learning experience for us too on our end. But. Yeah, it's, it's a big shift in how people are getting their information. Mm-hmm. I used to have people come to the farm shows to see a new product or to, to learn about it or to see if it fit in their barn. Well, anymore, it, I don't know that that's quite the case. And we're, we're seeing a big shift there. The, the internet drives a lot of what we do in our business. And, and I think that that's a shift that we're seeing in the consumer mm-hmm. is, is how they actually gather their information. Yeah, I think so. And like I said, it's, it's weird too because different people gather their information in different ways. So we'll, we'll post stuff on Facebook and people will eat it up. And, but other people, they don't even have a social media account. So it's, that's meaningless to them. So, right. So it's important that we we can't just use all our advertising dollars on Facebook or right. or the internet or whatever because then we miss certain people right. by doing that. So yeah, it's kind of a juggling act. You gotta somehow right. get it all. Yeah, but I guess the, and then the most important thing is we take care of people because that I think that really is is how J and M's made it over the course of the sixty two years we've been around. So as long as we keep doing that and keep making good decisions, then the advertising part becomes a lot easier because that just kind of supplements what everybody's been talking about. Mm-hmm. And we don't need to get our name. I think we're pretty well known amongst most farmers. Uh, in terms of brand recognition, most people know who J&M is. Spreading the word of our latest products and what we're doing, I think that stuff's important because their job isn't to study us and to know what we have coming out and what's, what's new and neat. Like the applicators is a good example. Mm-hmm. A lot of people probably don't know why we have a great applicator or the transport width and all that stuff. But that's where it becomes our job to tell the story of this is a really great product and it could be good for you. And you can trust us from the service side. You can trust it's a good product, uh, but this is why, and this is what it can do for your farm. Sure. Right. And, and trusting something and, you know, instead of saying staying constant, like you guys are definitely not doing, you know, you guys are definitely always innovative and, you know, trying to produce different products and having, you know, have your, having your niche in a certain market to where, you know, you know, like, like you guys said, there are five different manufacturers of a grain cart or a, or a gravity wagon or, you know, so you guys made yourself more innovative 
and you guys have a header cart, you guys have a, you know, an applicator that we sell, you know, you guys have a rolling basket, you know, it, it just all comes down to innovation at the end of the day. And that's what keeps you guys successful, I think. And I think my philosophy, uh, or the, just the way I think about things is, there's enough business out there for a lot of companies. We don't have to get it all. You don't want every sale. Mm. You're doing something wrong if you get every sale. You're selling too cheap, or, <clears throat> but I've always said there's, there's room in the market for, for the best product, the better product, the better mousetrap, and the customers will come, but we don't have to be king of the mountain, in my mind. If we are, great, it worked. You know, our philosophy worked. So uh, we don't covet every sale, because um, there's a lot of good products out there mm-hmm. that we compete with. Sure. And they make us better, because we, we always try and build the better mousetrap, one up. And that's what makes, that's, that's capitalism, right yeah. there. That, and that, I love it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that that's a hard pill to swallow. And and for me, um, you know, w- when I started in sales, of course, I wanted every sale. Why not? I'm a salesman. But and I've had plenty of guys say, you don't want every one of them. Let yeah. let him walk. And and when when you kind of see that and can digest it and witness it, you're like, wow, yeah, <laughs> I don't want every sale. And and um, there are plenty of of other products out there, you know. And that's, that's a very good point. I used to tell farmers at farm shows, if your first grain cart was J&M and your second one wasn't, your third one will be J&M. You'll, you'll see the differences. Yeah. Okay, and, yep. And uh, you can paint a lot of word pictures in people's minds that just, just plant seeds. And you'll get them sooner or later, or maybe you won't. Right. <clears throat> but nobody's starving here. Right. Yeah. Yep. You talk about getting all the sales. One of the guys I work for, Henry Apple. Um, Apple Farm Service. Henry, Henry was a wise man. He told me one time the best the best sale he ever got was the one he walked away from. Yeah. <laughs> and I had to stop and think about that. I'm like, what do you do? Sometimes you, ha- you you need to just walk away from it. Yes. You can't sell everything to everybody. You can't be everything to everybody. Right. Just be the best you can to the people that want to deal with you. Yep. So that's very true. Yeah. And and you'll you'll have a following. People will trust you. Yeah. And and that'll be your sales team. Yeah. What, uh, what territory do you cover? What all areas? Uh, Indiana, Ohio, uh, Michigan, Kentucky, and southeast Missouri, Boot Hill, Missouri. Getting a little bit into northern Arkansas just because i got a dealer that crosses the line. So you, you get around. Yeah. 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 Nice. Nice. And, and it's, it's, I love it because you can go from uh, Thumb of Michigan where they're, where they're doing, you know, corn, bean, wheat like we are, but they're doing beets. They're doing cucumbers. They're doing green beans and then I could go down to the Boot Hill Missouri where they're doing rice and they're doing cotton and they're doing potatoes and they're you know the the, the diversity is is awesome in my territory and it's kind of fun to see being a farm kid right I love seeing all this stuff yeah you know and in the timing heck they may be starting to farm here down south they should yeah if if weather breaks they should be they should be planting yeah real soon yeah and then up north you've got plenty of time so yeah. you could you know always see all the phases yeah and, and the differences in people right uh, there's sorry, Mike's from Michigan. We'll pick on him a little bit, but the culture in Michigan and the culture in the Boot Hill of Missouri, right? Totally different. Yeah, totally different people. Yep, and we're and, somewhere in the middle. Yeah, and we're somewhere. Yeah, and and all all good people. Oh yeah, but different. Right, you know? and that's that's why I like the territory I cover because it's so diverse. It's always interesting. Yeah, and that's why I love doing farm shows too. Sure. Because you, you you get to see the whole, you know, the whole farming community from different parts of the country. Uh, Louisville National Farm Machinery Show is fascinating because mm-hmm. we get people from East Coast, West Coast, 
Canada, other countries. Um, so it's, it's, it's really, yeah, it's really, it's a great business for it. And it all feels like a family. Mike mentioned we didn't have farm shows for two years. When we started doing farm shows, a lot of the other sales reps, and I'm sure with you guys going to farm shows, there's people you see all the time at farm shows. We yes. haven't seen each other in two years. Yeah. It was like a big family reunion. Yeah. You know, hey, how you been? What's going on? Yeah. So, yeah, you have those relationships with people when yeah. you, you see them once a year, you talk for 10 minutes, and you're the best of friends. Yeah. You know, and that, that's the farm show yeah. community. That's and, ag, ag, the ag community in general. Right. And yeah. we've, got, we've got farmers that'll come every year to the farm shows just to see us, just right. to say hi. You know, right. and, hey, hey, how you been? And, you know, how's the business going? How's business? So, so, you know, you talk family, you talk farming, you know, so it's it's a neat business we're in. Okay. Even, even like the, the Mayfield tornadoes. I mean, you were down there the next week because yeah. you know those people and yeah. you, you get to know them. Yeah. I really do. Yeah. We're going to have to uh, probably get close to wrapping up here. Is there anything that we didn't talk about that you guys were hoping that we did or anything you guys want to throw in here? I've had a lot of fun. Let's do another one. Let's do another one. Yeah. I'm, I'm totally. I, I, I just went, Jim was hesitant. Oh, yeah. But Jim's a natural. Oh, you yeah. Know, it's He's got so much experience. It's, it's great having him here. I think, it's a, I think it's a passion. Yeah. And it's, it's really cool to build something yeah. that people want. Right. And you can make a living off of it. Mm -hmm. uh, that, to me, it's just, this is almost too easy. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know how to say it without sounding um, heady about it, but it's just a great thing to be able to build things and people buy them and like them yeah and you talk about seeing jna product all over the place i love it i drive down the road i see jna product i'm like that's us that's, yeah you know mm -hmm. that's who i work for that's awesome i had a customer he got one of our prototype builds and uh, uh ray bach is his name hi ray and uh he built me a he's a woodworker too and he built me a, a, a wooden grain cart and it's so funny, he said, I had trouble making the hinge strong enough. It's a little bit blocky. I said, well, so did I. <laughs> Ray's a great guy. I, I really appreciate him. Yeah, yeah. No, it was a lot of fun. There, there's a ton of wisdom here, um, knowledge, and there's no shortage of passion. That's very obvious within the company. And uh, I appreciate you guys taking the time today to sit down with us and, and talk. Thanks for coming no out. Thanks for thanks for inviting us. Yeah, yeah, not absolutely. a problem. Well, I agree, Jim. We'll definitely do another one. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we're, we're this is episode number twenty three, and uh, we try to spit out content at least once a week. So I got to have fifty two of them yet this you know yeah. for yeah. a year from now. So I'm sure we can meet up again. But I was glad to be a part of it. Okay, yeah. well, thanks a lot, guys. That's all I've got for today, and thanks for tuning in. Yep.